You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day, or if you're joining us on the YouTube channel, your first watch every day. And if you're on YouTube, you already know Greg Thompson from Cover One. He's here with us today because we got to talk about how in the world Brandon Bean has been able to pull off all that he's been able to pull off so far in free agency. And Greg is, he's at least my guy when it comes to salaries and, and contracts and cap space and I love having him on this podcast because I learn things, and and this is not always the most comfortable space for me to talk. I think I can get by when it comes to salary cap and and cap space and contracts, but Greg is the number one expert on this stuff, especially when it comes to the Buffalo Bills. So, Greg, welcome, and uh, I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say about all this stuff today. Yeah, I appreciate it as always. Love jumping on with you, and I will say it's it's getting harder to answer the questions of whether the salary cap is a myth. Mm. Like I'm running out of of answers and ammo here, Uh, but we'll get into all the fun that went along with that. So that that's a good segue into the first question I have for you, Greg, because I am having a hard time figuring out how Brandon Bean pulled off this many moves. And we're going to get into them all. The the purpose of today is we're not necessarily going to talk about how Von Miller and Roger Saffold and OJ Howard fit this team. I want to talk about, the implications on the salary cap in the long term. And we're going to pull up uh, different screenshots of uh, these contracts and talk about how they're structured and what it means for the future. But, um, yo, man, like this has definitely exceeded my expectations. How do you do it? How do you do this? How do you sign this many guys with, with that little cap space and do what he did? So, you know, obviously we joke a lot about him being a wizard and magic and things like that. It, it really was a series of tools that he's always had in his tool belt, but that he never felt comfortable utilizing, that he was never a huge advocate of going to things like multiple year void years, things like initial signing bonuses and later placed guaranteed option bonuses um, and being able to really lean into it. And, and it's funny wh- whether it's in, you know, different rebuilds and organizations. Uh, I, I've talked about it with people in fantasy football. Uh, a lot of what people mess up is if you're going to commit to something, one of the biggest mistakes you can do is to go down one path of a teardown rebuild and then hedge a little bit like, oh, well, maybe we're going to compete a little bit or go the other direction. So what I really respect is if you're going to go down this path, it doesn't actually make sense to do it a little bit. If you're going to do it, you want to really lean into it. And I've gotten a lot of questions that we'll probably get to later on about, you know, what does this mean for the future? It doesn't mean there's some huge anchor around our neck. It does mean we're one of those teams now. Every year, we're going to have to do some restructures. We're going to have to do some shuffling. He's opened Pandora's box now, and that's the world we're going to live in. Well, Bean said himself that he feels like he's done a good job of not compromising the future. And I'll take him at his word, but like, Tell me, Greg, just right off the bat, are, are we the New Orleans Saints in five years or four years? Is that us? No, no, we're not. Wait, not yet. Not yet. There's uh, There are some pieces that are going to be coming up. But as I project it, where things are at, 
it may mean that in the next two years, there's probably not going to be more additional significant ads. Um, but it likely means this is kind of the team we're going to have. This is a two-year run here. We're going to have this team even into the third year. Um, there might be some challenges on some of the big re-signings. This might put some of the extensions into question of how to structure them. Mm-hmm. But there's not some big balloon year where we're all of a sudden, you know, the Saints came in $80 million over the cap this year. None of the projections that I can see have us anywhere close to that. We're actually still under by a little bit in most of the years. That's without some of the extensions that will put us close and some, you know, cuts that we'll have to make. But there's no huge balloon payment here. He's just basically spending up to the cap already in the projected jumps in the next two years and using up a lot of that space now. All right, we'll hit on draft picks, Mr. Bean, and continue building <laughs> this thing. And part of the way he's been able to build it has been through some restructures, right? He There's been some cuts. We know about those. John Feliciano was cut on the offensive line. Darrell Williams, Cole Beasley. And is there one more that is a Starlo Talele? Those yep. are the four main cuts that happened to create cap space. The other two things that he did was restructure a couple of deals, uh, only two of them, Micah Hyde, the safety, Matt Milano, the linebacker, Greg, let's uh, let's talk about those restructures. What happened? And you know, I know that for at least Micah Hyde, I'm pretty sure there was like two or three void years added to the end of that deal. Yeah, it's the way that they did, and it's actually one of the crazier things. I'll bring up our, our friends over over the cap.com. Um, and, and the way that they did it was interesting. It was by doing void years, by stretching those things out. And if you look at the way that they've done it, we talked pre-show. I was like, well, that can't be right that we only restructured Micah Hyde and Matt Milano. There had to be more than that. It's actually pretty crazy. There's another $21 million in cap space that, that Brandy Bean could tap into by restructuring Stefan Diggs, Tredavious White, Josh Allen, or Deion Dawkins. Um, each of them are between like 5 to $6 million that they could go after, 2 and a half for, for Josh, but the rest of them, 5 to $7 million. And he didn't tap into those. He did most of it. Like you said, the four releases created a, a sizable amount. That was 18 or 19 million. And then the two restructures did a chunk as well. So the way that they went about that, and we'll dive right in and, and look at, at one of the contracts itself, um, is interesting because he hadn't really shown a willingness to stretch things out in that way before. So you look at somebody like Micah Hyde, the only time we had seen it was when he did one void year for Emmanuel Sanders. It's the only time he had ever done it. It was last year and he did one. Well, this extension or this restructure for Micah Hyde, he added three void years. So it was able to take all of um, Micah's salary basically in 2021, turn it into a signing bonus with those prorated options and then be able to give him that same amount of money, but spread it out like it was a new five or six year deal to be able to do. They did that with both Milano and Hyde. So that's something we haven't seen before. He had never done multiple void years before. He had never done some of the prorated bonuses where now all of a sudden there's ones we'll get to in, in Von Miller's signing where it's a scheduled amount that will start again. And it's a reason why you'll hear more. I think this is something you're going to see more in the NFL. You're going to hear more six-year deals. Six-year deals are going to become more in vogue because of this new trick that we've seen some of the teams do. Uh, it's also the reason Josh Allen's was a six-year extension. He did the same thing in his. But we had never seen that kind of movement before in those contracts. So, Greg, we're going to talk about void years uh, quite a bit here. And, and so maybe you could help clarify what that is for anybody that doesn't. And, and just from a simple understanding that I have, let's say that you have a, a void year where you're on the hook for $2 million. If you were to re-sign that player, 
that money, right? Like it doesn't count against the cap that that two that two million dollars is already accounted for. So let's for a practical application, if the Bills re-signed Micah Hyde and they had him for the 2024 season, where it's now a void year, where I think that void year cost the Bills like one point three million dollars or something like that. Correct. That's that would be factored into his salary. So if they were signing for one year, ten million dollars, it would for practical purposes it would be one year. I'm terrible at math. Eleven point one. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And it would. So um, void years don't mean you can't renegotiate, that you can't extend. What it means is you've spread signing bonus cap hits out into those future years, and you can never undo those. So the, the real world example is Starla Tule. People wonder, oh, well, what does dead cap mean? Can you trade dead cap to another team? Can you renegotiate dead cap? What dead cap means is it's paying for cash that you already gave the player earlier, but that because you used a signing bonus, an option bonus, or some other uh, cap trick, for, for lack of a better term, to spread it out, you still owe that cap hit in another year. So we don't owe Starla Tule more cash, but we still had $7.7 million in cap hit on previously paid bonuses that we hadn't accounted for yet. So it's an accounting tool to go back and credit it. Uh, the record that Matt, Matt Ryan just set for $40 million in dead cap, it doesn't mean that the Falcons owe him $40 million more it means they already paid him 40 million and now we're accounting for it greg is there anything to say about matt milano and his restructure because um, nothing of nothing different it was very similar in the way that they did hide um and it was just another example where we hadn't seen it they did two void years on milano's but that's because milano had uh, additional years onto his he was already signed through 2024 so both of them pushed it out to 2026 to have the maximum to spread those bonuses out uh they needed three years to do that with hide they only needed two with milano but both new examples we hadn't seen before in creative structuring we're going to talk all about Von Miller and Daquan Jones and all these big contracts that the Bills signed. But first, let's talk about Built Bars. We talk about them all the time here on the podcast. They're the world's best tasting protein bars. But I got to ask you, have you tried the Puffs? If you haven't, then you're missing out on one of Built Bar's best tasting bars. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They are a treat. And they're covered in 100% real chocolate because all Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, 17 grams of protein. They're healthy for you, and they have so many great flavors. There's mint brownie, raspberry, coconut, coconut almond, new flavors coming out all the time. They're all delicious, and at Built Bar, it's all about the taste. They make it taste delicious first, then they figure out how to make it healthy, and I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every single time. Go to BuiltBar.com, or excuse me, Built. Dot com. Use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So, Greg, let's talk about the big one. Von Miller announced as a six-year, $120 million deal. But let's get into the reality of this Von Miller contract. The six-year $120 million deal is very much for Vaughn's agent and for mm -hmm. ego purposes. Um, it's actually not dissimilar from the Devontae Adams extension that wasn't really 28 and a quarter million. It was really 22 and a half. Uh, Von Miller's deal is really a three-year $52.5 million deal, $17.5 million a year. 
um, which is still a ton, but it's basically the same as Chandler Jones deal with a bunch of really big numbers at the end that made it look much larger, but we'll see if those ever come to fruition. It's not, not the concern of, of where it is. They're not guaranteed. Um, a couple of things that are different, uh, because it was a six year deal, you didn't need to do any void years. And I will say, um, for people to ask, honestly, from an accounting standpoint, a non-guaranteed salary and a void year aren't any different. It's just that you are agreeing with the player, hey, you're going to be able to become a free agent or we would need to extend you versus the other one. They're basically team options where you could walk away with no dead cap because they're non-guaranteed contracts or no more cash anyways. Um, one of the things that were different for Von Miller is you see in the second year, there's a $13.3 million. They're calling it a roster bonus. It's really what's called an option bonus. They built that. And the reason they did a six-year deal and the reason I prefaced that earlier, and they did this with Josh Allen as well, is the maximum proration, the maximum amount you can spread out a signing bonus is five years. So if you do a six-year deal, the sixth year doesn't really help you. Well, what teams have figured out is if you agree with the agent that we are going to schedule another bonus next spring that's already guaranteed, so you're not going to worry about it. You don't get the cash now. You have to wait till next spring, usually on the third or fourth business day of the league year. We're going to give you that big check, but we're then going to convert that into a signing bonus that's also prorated. So right now, it looks like his cap hit next year is $18.7 million. It's actually very quickly going to drop from 13.3. That's going to drop down to about two and a half uh, to 3 million. So when you drop that down to 3 million, you're taking 10 million of that off. His cap hit next year is going to be about 8.7 million. So it, the first two years are both going to be very reasonable. And they'll then spread that out. The first one spread out between years one through five, and the second one spread out from years two through six. So there'll be a stretch in the middle there where we're also paying for um, six or seven million dollars worth of bonus each year plus his salary. So the real ugly one is in year 2024. So three years from now, his cap hit's probably going to be upwards of 25 million in that third year. Uh, but really, it's going to be those three together. It's going to be this year at 5.1, next year around 8.7, then the third year at about 25 million. And then we'll see, you know, if he's still playing at that point going into his age 36 season, we still have him under contract and could manage it or restructure or do things from there. Uh, but that again, uh, didn't use void years, but that's the first time we've seen outside of Josh Allen that he's ever used that scheduled guaranteed option bonus. So nothing, the Bills don't owe Von Miller anything after the 2024 season. It would all be cash that's already paid. They would have some cap implications. Mm -hmm. There could be some things where they would still owe, you know, maybe $7 million in dead cap if they walked away at that point. Um, but nothing horrific, nothing crazy, and no more cash. What did you tweet out the other day about Bruce Smith? He had 88 sacks after his... Third, yeah, from age 32 on, it was mm. 84 sacks. I actually went back and recounted um, in 70 from age 33 on. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously that's crazy mm. to project that anyone is going to age like Bruce Smith did. Um, but ultimately, you looked at, there was another really good one I saw. There have been 71 instances in NFL history where a player has had 10 plus sacks at age 33 or more. 
it's not like it's some crazy rare right. event. 71 different times. You look at the career arcs for Jared Allen, for Michael Strahan, for Bruce Smith, you know, a lot of different guys that, that aged very gracefully into that time. And what do you have in common? Of course, they were originally elite athletes, but also incredibly high work ethic, took care of themselves very well, and incredible, impeccable technique. It just, it ages gracefully at that position. Sounds like you just described Von Miller. Uh, you, you, and you're not, you're talking about double digit sack seasons. That that's a rare thing. The bills haven't had one of those since what? 2016 Lorenzo Alexander, who yeah. is probably one of those guys. He was certainly over age 32 whenever he, yeah, he was, he was one of, one of the 71. <laughs> yeah. The last one was one of those. So yeah. Right. The last bills double digit sack season was by a guy who was in his mid thirties. All right. Uh, all right. Very good. I'm excited about Mr. Von Miller. Let's move on to the uh, the next multi-year deal, Daquan Jones, uh, defensive tackle. Uh, you'll break this down a lot better than I can, but when I saw this contract, this to me was very much an indicator that the Bills wanted Daquan Jones. This is one of the more, more uh, player-friendly deals that we've seen Brandon Bean sign a player to. Yeah, I was a, I was a little bit surprised. I, we weren't sure what his market was going to be. They added this one is really a two year deal. It's listed as a three year deal because there's a void year again, as, as we'll see in almost all these contracts to spread out the initial uh, cap hit. But the the way that it was set up, that five point five million dollar signing bonus plus the guarantee of the salary here, and he has a chunk guaranteed next year. Basically, all the two years at ten point six million was fully guaranteed. It's it's gonna he's going to be on this roster for two years, mm -hmm. um, and and is going to be there, and it's probably going to turn out to be you know kind of a two year twelve million dollar deal is, is basically what I think it'll end up netting out to. Um and we'll we'll see how that goes. That was honestly what the defensive tackle market is. So many of these guys were getting eight and ten million dollars that I wasn't terribly surprised. I was maybe hoping it was going to be a little bit lower, but the hope came in in that he got it to a $3.5 million cap number. That's way better than some of the $10 million numbers that are out there for other teams. So he's going to be here for two years. Um, obviously at age 31 and 32 at defensive tackle, that, that might be his run. We'll see where it goes into year 2024, but, uh, it was structured intelligently in there, but he's going to be here for both years for sure. But Tim settle another defensive tackle that the Bills signed a, a multi-year deal for settle a player. I'm really excited about, I think he's versatile. He gives you some pass rush presence, a lot of energy, which we obviously saw, uh, during his, uh, his press conference, but let's take a look at this Tim settle deal. And uh, what can we learn about this? So Settle's deal is still a two-year, $9 million deal, about $4.5 million a year. Of course, every single time he added a void year to spread it out into 2024, so he kicked an extra $1.3 million out there. His doesn't quite have the level of guarantees that Daquan Jones has. Um, he's definitely going to get one year and about $5 million for sure. He's got a, a reasonable likelihood for next year because it's not a great savings. You would eat $2.7 million and save two point two. So that's not one that's going to be financial purposes, but it's not as locked in as what Daquan Jones is. So um, I would say that he's very likely to be on the team for two years plus. And at that point, you're talking age 25 and 26 season. He's the kind of guy that you would then just look to extend again, the way they've done year to year with Poyer and Hyde. And we just saw Terrence Johnson extended and, and Mitch Morris. Um, he's the kind of guy that next spring you would look to, instead of going into a lame duck season, uh, you would extend him again if he performed well. Uh, but it's he being gave himself a little bit of an out here. It's not fantastic, but he could get out of it if he wanted to.
still a young player. And, and what I get excited about with Tim Settle, Daquan Jones, and Ed Oliver is that you have your top three defensive tackles signed for the next two seasons, including 2022, which is a pretty good spot to be. Great. They signed one more player to a multi-year deal, and it was one of their own, Mr. Isaiah McKenzie. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts on this contract, what we can learn about it. And, you know, it feels like this has been all over the place. It started off as like a two-year, $8 million deal. Then reality came, and we saw the real deal, and and Jamison Crowder, and a lot of all-over-the-place comments about who's going to be the slot. So what can this contract tell us? What clues can this contract give us about uh, what the team thinks of Isaiah McKenzie? So obviously, both Aaron and I on our show have been I'd say cautious with Isaiah McKenzie. Like we're happy when he contributes, but I also like to remind people he's 27 and this is going into his sixth year in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I think there's this idea that he's this like second year untapped potential guy that we just haven't seen. At some point, the sample size is what the sample size is. I will say when the initial reports came out of two years, 8.8 million, I was ready to take an L. I was ready to say, all right, man, I just didn't think that market was out there for him. I did not think that was going to be the potential of this deal. And of course, I cautioned everyone, let's wait for the details. Let's see how it goes. I don't know that I've seen very many drop by as much as what McKenzie's did when the real numbers came in. It's a two-year, $4.4 million deal. And in complete honesty, it's a one-year $1.25 million deal. That's what he's got guaranteed. Um, he's got some other bonuses that he can earn. He's obviously going to be on the team this year, and he's going to earn that like $1.82 million-ish in cash. But they can walk away next year for nothing. It, it's mm. 300000 in dead cap to save $2.2 million. There's no void years. There's no future kicked out into anything. Um, so he's under contract for two years, and it's a reasonable deal. It only jumps up um, from $1.8 million up to $2.5 million. So it's not like it's a crazy jump, but there's no guarantees in that second year. There's nothing that would penalize them outside of half of the signing bonus, and it was only a $600,000 signing bonus. So um, the reality is in back-to-back -back years, Isaiah McKenzie was not tendered as a restricted free agent, was on the open market two years in a row, and between other teams bidding and the Buffalo Bills, he's come back on cap hits of $1.75 million and $1.85 million. The NFL sees him as a gadget guy. It is Now, that doesn't mean I'm not excited to see, hey, is there more that they could utilize him with with no Cole Beasley? Um, but I also think the signing of Jamison Crowder shows you <laughs> they weren't ready to put all their eggs in that basket. Yeah. Especially when you contrast it to what a guy like Jakeem Grant just signed for. It's like, oh. all right, well, these, these contracts a lot of times give us a lot of clues about – well, yeah. not clues. They tell us exactly what the league and the team uh, thinks about the player that – that they signed the contract to. Yeah. I need to tell you guys about a new partner, Athletic Greens. And folks, I started taking Athletic Greens because I wanted to see what all the hype was about. So what is the deal with this stuff? With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole foods, source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, all the things. I take it to jumpstart my day, and it gives me more energy and balances my diet in a very simple way. Tons of people are taking some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body will actually absorb, and Athletic Greens is just 
one small micro habit with a big benefit. It's one thing you can do every single day to take great care of yourself. Athletic Greens is a critical dart part of my daily routine, and it supports better sleep quality and recovery, and it supports mental clarity and alertness. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right, Greg, let's uh, let's talk about some of these one-year deals that Brandon Bean gave to players, and I like to start with Roger Saffold uh, from the Tennessee Titans, the Bills' new starting guard. What does this contract tell us? So uh, another one that was pretty creative in the way that he did it, we didn't see a lot of these on the one-year deals until this year. Um, this one's pretty similar, not, not identical, but pretty close to the Emmanuel Sanders deal. So it's a one-year deal with a void year. So Roger Saffold's basically on a one-year $6 million deal, um, and he's going to get it with a $4.2 million cap hit this year, and we push $2 million of that to next year. So um, this one's very, very similar to uh, Emmanuel Sanders. And when this was the first signing and was kind of how it was mentioned, I was like, all right, well, that makes sense. It's it's really similar. You're talking about a uh, established veteran, wants to come in. We can't really afford him at his market price, but he's willing to meet us halfway, not push for the every dollar, and he's willing to structure in a creative way. Perfect ad. Uh, so this is a really nice deal. You know, you're adding a guy, Roger Saffold, who I think you and I both see as at minimum a slight upgrade to Daryl Williams, and we got him for less than half the cost. Um, I, I can't imagine a better fit in the, or a, a better uh, example of why Josh Allen is now the ultimate sales pitch. Yeah. We get guys like Roger Saffold for half the price of Daryl Williams. Yeah, we, we have to talk more about how important it is going to be for Aaron Cromer to have a guy like Roger Saffold in the room, not only because he's a great offensive lineman, because he's a guy that's used to the techniques and style of Aaron Cromer. And so as Cromer takes over this room, Having a guy like Saffold, who's going to be a respected player in this this uh, entire organization, but you know, amongst those offensive linemen, especially to have that guy to say, "Hey, hey this is how we do things. This is the techniques," and and to really help connect his message to the players, I think Roger Saffold, in so many ways, is going to help this Bills offensive line. Let's uh, let's go to OJ Howard. Bill signed him to a one year deal, and and Greg, it's interesting when you talk about OJ Howard, especially when you compare the deal that the Bills gave him to. You know what Will Disley signed for, and what uh, Ian Thomas re-signed for with the Carolina Panthers. I feel like this has a has a chance to be a real steal for Buffalo. Oh man, I, I did a post at one point that I listed off all the new tight ends who signed, and obviously there's a top end with Gesicki and and Zach Ertz, and uh, I, for some reason David Njoku is is in yeah. that tier. Uh, I, I can't speak to why they all got the exact same franchise. They every single one of them. Their cap hit is like the 10.9 million. They all got basically what the either signed to what the franchise tag would have been or given the franchise tag. Um, and then you still see a whole bunch between seven, eight, and nine million. Some guys that I like, like the heck, uh, the Jets have had a pretty nice offseason. Honestly, I like both CJ Ozoma and Tyler Conklin, but they signed both of them for more than double what OJ Howard's getting paid. 
it's just crazy to me that, and you know, you see Evan Ingram go for $9 million. Um, OJ Howard for a first year cap hit at 2.8 million and really a, a $3.5 million deal. He's more similar to the Tim settle structure where if things are going well, this is an easy extension next year, but we did technically kick 600,000 of his cap hit into next year, just in case. Um, but that's an easy extension, still 28 years old, tight ends age reasonably well. Um, so, you know, still age 29 next year, uh, he's coming in and, and having a guy like him at 3.5 million and only a $2.8 million cap hit with, you know, he's getting paid half of Ian Thomas money. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't ask for anything more. The next player I want to get into is Jamison Crowder, and I owe everybody my full analysis on Jamison Crowder. You'll get that tomorrow along with anything that Brandon Bean does between now and then. Uh, But uh, I know that this deal came through pretty recently. Greg, is there anything to share on this Jamison Crowder contract? Not the level of detail that we have on the rest. We obviously know some of the pieces that were here. There's There's a few things that I think we can glean from how I'm assuming that it's going to get set up. So obviously in the same way, that uh, Isaiah McKenzie's deal was listed as up to 8.8 million. Mm. Jamison Crowder's deal was listed as up to 4 million. Um, The good news is Jamison Crowder, because last year he was only able to play in 12 games and only started four for the Jets, he had some lower production that he's had in previous years. He only scored two touchdowns, only 447 yards, only 51 touchdowns. There's a lot of room for not likely to be earned incentives. Also, I have a feeling a lot of players have AFC Championship game appearance, AFC Championship or Super Bowl appearance, Super Bowl win um, bonuses built in where if those things happen, you don't pay those until the 2023 cap uh, because they're not likely to be earned because the team didn't go to that stage last year. Um, so it, matter of fact, the only player we can't do that with is Von Miller because he actually did those that mm-hmm. be likely to be earned incentives. Um, so I have a feeling Jamison Crowder is going to be a very reasonable base salary. I won't be shocked if his initial cap hit is in the $2 million range. I, I think that it's going to be down there. It might be close to what Isaiah McKenzie's is, honestly. Um, we'll see where that number comes in. I think some of those will be incentives that can be added on, but I would I would guess it's going to come in between 2.25 and 2.5 million. Man, it's it's crazy when you think about this Jamison Crowder contract because I think it's such a great value for the Bills. And the 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 production for Jamison Crowder compared to like Cole Beasley when he came to Buffalo, it was nearly identical, like in the mm-hmm. same point in their career. And Beasley signed for like, what was it, like four years, 28 million or something like that. Yeah. And, and Jamison Crowder, just because he, it's timing, right? Like he was in a bad situation in New York that didn't give him a great chance to produce, had some injuries this past year, horrible quarterback situation with all the guys they had to play. He just wasn't in a great spot when they, when he entered free agency and the bills are getting a great deal here. And you know, this could be something where he provides a lot of value to the team, and we wind up talking about re-signing him after the year. I, one of the things that that shocked me was I think people have the perception that he's significantly older than no. what he is. No. Um, you know, he's 28 years old. He's a year and a half older than Isaiah McKenzie. A year and a half. So they're going to play next year at 27 and 29. So it's not like this is some, you know, old you know, struggling uh, veteran holding it down until the new guy comes in. They're the same age. You've got Jordan Phillips pulled up here, which is great news because I, yeah. I dude, when I tell you, I didn't, I don't, I don't know anything about this contract until this moment. Uh, I, I'm excited to learn. So tell us about this deal. Um, so I would say this one's closer to the Daquan Jones deal in the sense of I was a little surprised. I thought this one was going to come in 
a little bit lower than what it was. It's basically a, a one-year, $5 million deal. Um, really? 4.25 of it is guaranteed. And it has a pretty decent amount kicked into next year, 1.12 of it into next year. So his cap hits only 3.5 million, uh, but that was more than I expected. I, I expected it to be lower than that. So um, when he came back, it was for a, a reasonable amount of money, not crazy, um, but similar to what we're paying Tim Settle uh, at defensive tackle. I don't know that I was expecting that. I was expecting this to be, a little bump above, or we'll talk about it here with some of the remaining players. Uh, the Bills also haven't tapped into what's called the veteran salary benefit, which is where you can pay. The NFLPA basically made it that, hey, we don't want to financially incent teams to only pay young guys and get rid of aging veterans. Mm -hmm. So we'll give you an option where you can pay more cash to vested veterans, but have them count as the minimum contract. I kind of thought Jordan Phillips was going to come in there. So this was a little bit of a surprise to me that he came in at 3.5 million for this year um, and 4.2 of it guaranteed. So it came in a little bit more again at his size. He's probably not a crazy extension candidate that you could bring back again the year after uh, and be that fourth defensive tackle. Um, but all three of our defensive tackles are, that we added are being paid a reasonable amount of money here. Yeah, I see that. And Ed Oliver, of course, is being paid a reasonable amount of money, too. So, all right, Bean, uh, Bean went all, all in on this defensive tackle room. Let's hope it all works out. I'm excited to see it. Do you have anything on Shaq Lawson's deal? Or is that Oddly, one? Oddly, no. One? Okay. That, that one has not had anything drop yet, which is a little interesting. Um, now, he is – so I assumed he was the same as Jordan Phillips when I thought both of them were going to be the higher end of the veteran salary benefit, which – you have an extra like 137,000. So with their where their status is as veterans, they get paid like 1 1.1 million. You could almost pay them like 2.5 million, but have them count as the minimum. I kind of thought that's what we were going to see. So now I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait yeah. and see what the Shaq Lawson deal is. Um but I would say that 3.5 million dollar cap hit is probably the high end of what Shaq's deal would be. Um, but with the way he bounced around and things like that, maybe his comes in a little bit lower than Jordan Phillips. Um, but I, I haven't even heard any estimates or any reporting on what it'll be. Two contracts signed earlier this week, running back Duke Johnson, offensive lineman Greg Manns. If I'm not mistaken, these deals are pretty much the same. Maybe there's a workout bonus or something that's different. What can you tell us about those two deals? Those are both almost identical. Um, there is maybe a $25,000 workout bonus for Duke Johnson, which is interesting that the guy with the big beer belly didn't get the workout <laughs> bonus, but the other guy did. Um, so anyone who didn't see the Bills PR announcement with Greg Matt, like the stance that he's holding is like peak dad barbecue stance. Mm. Like it's it's perfect. It is the ideal male form. You need to go find it. Um, both of these contracts are what I mentioned earlier. So one of the things that um, especially competitive teams will do where you have an owner willing to spend a little extra money that doesn't count towards the cap, they'll use what's called the veteran salary benefit. I mentioned it before. It's where instead of having to have a reason that, oh, we don't want to sign 30-year-old players, it benefits us financially to just sign 24-year-old players, you now have a reason to sign experienced guys and not hurt your cap. So these two guys are going to count as the minimum against the cap. They're going to count the same as a Jake Kumaro, as a Jaquan Johnson, as a Tommy Sweeney but they're going to get paid in cash a little bit more than that. They're going to end up making maybe 1.5, 1.6 million in total, but count very low against the cap. So um, these are really smart deals. I assume 
Um, Brandon Bean is offering these to everybody. Brandon yeah. Bean is going to offer these to everybody who hasn't signed. Um, you know, I know I'm sure you'll spend time on the the really only remaining need we have here at cornerback too. Um, I'm assuming there's a list of guys who have been offered low-end deals like this. Um, so we'll see where that goes uh, to be able to add on. But this is the kind of thing that we could see more, probably not, you know, this isn't Stefan Gilmore's don't sign for this, but yeah. there are guys that are out there that this might get at other positions too, that we will have more of this. And honestly, for as much flack as people give the Pagulas, this is a really positive sign that they're willing to just pay more money in cash just to lure people that don't actually even count against the cap. And owners are very aware of their cap to cash ratio and how they manage that. And other owners do that as well. Spending extra cash that doesn't actually benefit you in your negotiations with the NFLPA is not the most popular thing. It's a reason we haven't done much of it here in Buffalo because there wasn't reason to at that point with roster spots. I bet we see a couple more of those here before we get to the draft or just after. Yeah, the Bills have the most expensive roster in the NFL, right? I mean, uh, that's in NFL crazy. history, they have the most expensive right. cash roster in NFL history, right? I'm sure I know everyone has their opinions about uh, how much they're footing in the stadium bill, but when it comes to expenses for this football team and what the coaches need, and I've talked to some of the coaches recently who are new to the staff and they literally gave them whatever they wanted, and, and that's exactly what it's happened with the facilities. And I was listening to Eric Wood on Matt Perino's podcast talking about how they're paying $10,000 a week in, in organic produce for to feed the team. I mean, there there is no – there's nothing you could say about them being cheap yeah. as, it, as it relates to running this football operation. Nothing. A couple quarterbacks let's get to real quick. Matt Barkley, I don't know if you have anything there, but also Case Keenum. That's that's kind of an interesting one uh, given, you know, he had like the $6.1 million salary owed from Cleveland, and none of it was guaranteed at all, right? I mean, he, he was basically going to get cut to free up $6 million. Bills gave him a late seventh round pick restructure. Fill us in on this uh, this Case Keenum situation. Uh, so real quick on on Barkley, I assume he's exactly what we just talked yeah. about with uh, Duke Johnson and Greg Mance. He's the perfect example of that. Hey, we'll give you a little extra cash. You're going to count as the minimum, but the extra cash they give him is also kind of a benefit for him. Where it's you know probably a wink wink that hey. You're probably not going to make the 53, but we'd love to get you back on the practice squad. So we'll give you a little extra cash now to come hang out for the summer and do the work and then be on the practice squad during the season. Um, Case Keenum, obviously, when this came out, lots of people up in arms. There's actually a $7.1 million uh, number mm -hmm. for this year. The Bills got Cleveland to pay the $1 million roster bonus. And basically, the Bills paid for an exclusive negotiating window with a seventh-round pick. So I don't know what Brandon Bean thought the risk was going to be on the open market when Case Keenum got released, but they got him for less than Colt McCoy. They got him for less than Jacoby Brissett. They got him for the same as Joe Flacco. And I think Case Keenum's better than those guys. I think he's in that maybe Tyrod Taylor level. Tyrod Taylor signed for like $6 million. Um, You see some of those other numbers that were actually even a few of them much higher than that. I think he's in that area of one of the better backup quarterbacks. So the fact that they got Case Keenum, who I think is in a probably reasonably similar tier, just older than Mitch Trubisky for $1 million more in a seventh round pick, it's fine. I, I think it's perfectly fine. I know some fans were upset. Why did we waste a seventh round pick when we could have just waited it out and had them cut him and try to negotiate this deal anyways? Um, 
you know, for everything I saw in the past week here, I trust Brandon Bean that when he called around, we saw the number Marcus Mariota signed for. Mm. Um, I'm sure he called Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'm sure he called Andy uh, Andy Dalton. I'm sure he called the rest of Tyrod before he signed. They checked in with Mitch. I trust Brandon Bean that he gauged the market and identified that, hey, Case Keenum for 3.5 is about as good as we're going to do other than putting all our eggs in the basket of a Matt Barkley level QB2, which I don't think any of us want. So uh, Case Keenum at 3.5 million, I'm not going to celebrate the Mitch Trubisky at 2.5 million and no seventh round pick was better last year. But I think what some people made a mistake in is they set that as the precedent of, oh, these the rest of these guys are now obligated to come sign for 2.5 million. We just need to wait and see which one is going to be forced to do that. It's just not the way it works. So I trust Brandon being the 3.5 million and having to give up a seventh round pick to negotiate that was as good as we're going to get. Yeah. Last, last year was weird. The cap went down. It was just a different scenario. And so yeah. uh, it's hard to really compare anything to what happened last year. Greg, as we wind down this conversation, what's next, man? Like what, what do the bills have? What I, I, I heard Brandon Bean say, hey, we're looking for money in the couch cushions, and then he signed three more players. <laughs> like He told us that he wasn't <laughs> going to be a player in free agency. He stayed home for pro days and, and was a player in free agency. So as best you can, what's next? What resources remain for him to keep adding to this roster? So Brandon Bean has signed an NFL player every calendar day for the past week. I'll believe he's done when I see a calendar day go by that he doesn't add a player. I haven't seen that yet. So I'll believe he's done when I see an entire calendar day go by that he doesn't add a player. Um, I do think that we're going to see other fringe level ads. Do they bring in a, a safety to compete with, you know, with Jaquan for his spot? Do they bring in another linebacker to compete with Markel Lee? When you ask what's, what's next, um, there aren't a lot of contracts to work with still. I mentioned the four at the beginning of the show. We have the big guys. Um, I, I don't obviously Stefan Diggs is not a restructure candidate. If anything, he would be an extension candidate. I'm actually going to do a breakdown of how the Devonte Adams deal isn't as bad as what it looked like, and probably is a reasonably good indicator for how we're going to structure Stefan Diggs deal, and that it's probably still in that same twenty-two point five million dollar range that we were already expecting. And that's probably what Tyreek Hill's going to get. And all of them will get some window dressing that makes it look like $28 million a year. And it won't be. Um, but then you also could restructure Tredavious White. You could restructure Deion Dawkins. And I will say, I don't expect either of those, but um, there is a window of a couple players. What if a James Bradbury gets mm. released by the Giants? Or what if they find out that, hey, fine, kind of like the... Um, Amari Cooper deal. Okay, fine. We're not going to get anything for him. If you give us a sixth, you can have him and, and restructure his deal and extend him. And all of a sudden you need to restructure one of those because we need to add him and we can only get it down this year to a $6 million cap hit. There are some levers that Bean still has to pull. I don't expect anything that big, but if Stefan Gilmore decided to play for $6 million or James Bradbury could be had for $6 million, those are the kind of players we could get. I assume he's still going to poke around in the Steven Nelson, Joe Hayden, Patrick Peterson tier of cornerbacks and then add a premium pick in the draft. But beyond that, it's going to be these kind of things. And then obviously the, the last hanging item is what happens with the uh, Ryan Bates situation. Mm -hmm. So I, I did a post earlier today and had a debate with a couple of people. Um, 
you know, Brandon Bean took a calculated risk with Ryan Bates. He had choices of where to tender him. One was way over $5 million at a first-round pick. That's crazy. He had a choice between a $2.4 million original round tender, which when we did Mike Gillisley, he signed and we got a fifth-round pick back because he was a fifth-round pick. Ryan Bates was undrafted, so your original round is undrafted. You don't get any draft pick. Um, that was $2.4 million, and we could have done the second-round tender at three point nine. A lot of people are now frustrated why didn't we do that to scare everybody off and just lock it in at 3.9 million? Well, Brandon Bean's gambling that, hey, one, I can still get him back for nothing at 2.4 million and keep him as is. That's a grand slam. Someone could extend an offer that's between 2.4 and 3.9 million in the first year cap hit. And then that's a win because I didn't have to do the 3.9 and I get the extension. Somebody extends him around 3.9 to 4 million, which is what I would have spent anyways to do the second round tender. And I'm risking that versus someone tenders him at a number above $4 million where I have to now bite the bullet and say, all right, I lost my gamble, but we still keep him. And the ultimate downside of somebody front loads the deal so ugly that we can't match it and we lose him. But honestly, if someone wants to pay him two years, $14 million, and put $12 million of that in the first year, well, God bless him. Go get your money. Yeah. Okay. You know, we can restructure thing. We'd get two point four million in cap space back and go sign Will Hernandez for three million dollars. And I don't know that that's a huge downgrade over um, Ryan Bates, but there'd be plenty of guys who would come and play. I hope we keep Ryan Bates, or I hope we keep Rick Bates if he leaves. He's back to Ryan Bates. Yeah. Um, I hope we keep him, but I don't think it's this huge mistake that Brandon yeah. Bean made. He made a calculated risk that still should, still could pay off. I want Ryan Bates back. I've been a champion for Ryan Bates, all of that type of stuff. But uh, I've already made the decision that I'm not going to stress about this. Josh Allen's a quarterback. He's a guard. It's There will be opportunities. The Bills have one of the best offensive line coaches in the league. This, on my stress level, is just, it's not, it's not getting up there at all. Ladies and gentlemen, Greg Tomset sharing his expertise here today on the podcast. I, I really appreciate it, dude. You're always gracious with your time. You have uh, information that I don't think anyone else is capable of talking about and sharing uh, like you do. So as always, and on behalf of Bill's Mafia, thanks uh, thanks for what you do. That's awesome. Thank you so much, man. I know it gets nerdy sometimes. Some of the numbers are there. Uh, this is a great show for anybody listening in a podcast forum to come check out Joe's YouTube channel and to check out some of the screen shares that we did. Check out the guys, Jason Fitzgerald and the guys over at OverTheCap.com do an awesome job. Always the most up-to-date, accurate uh, contracts that are out there. Uh, make sure to check them out. But thank you, Joe. Appreciate the opportunity. All right, folks, that's going to do it for us here today on the podcast. Tomorrow, we'll get caught up on all of the Buffalo Bills news that has and has not happened yet. Uh, we'll get into Jamison Crowder and, and whatever else Brandon Bean gets done over the next day or so. So as always, I would love it if you took a second to rate, review, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.